0: Welcome to the EMA DevOps Digest podcast. DevOps Digest and leading IT research firm Enterprise Management Associates are teaming up on this new podcast focused on the latest technologies impacting DevOps and development. Since 1996, EMA's expert industry analysts have provided deep insight across the full spectrum of IT and data management technologies. Learn more about EMA research, analysis, and consulting services at enterprisemanagement.com. And now... Episode one of the EMA DevOps Digest podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to this EMA podcast. My name is Chris Steffen. I will be the co-host for today's podcast. I am the Managing Research Director for Information Security with Enterprise Management's Associates, an analyst firm that looks how companies manage their IT infrastructure from the data center out to the user environment and into the cloud. And I focus primarily on information security and compliance. In today's podcast, I'll be speaking to my colleague, uh, Kim Buckler, He is a research analyst in information security at EMA, and we're going to talk a little bit about today about um, the latest executive quantum security bill that the Biden administration signed into law um, in the last week or so, and talk a little bit what some of the ramifications are, so on and so forth. Ken, hello. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hey, Chris. Great to be on here. This is Ken Buckler. Uh, I was a cybersecurity practitioner in the federal space as a contractor for well over 15 years. Uh, A lot of my uh, background has been in endpoint protection and software development. No stranger to the federal space, no stranger to the cybersecurity space. So absolutely looking forward to to having these uh, podcasts and see where this takes us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, Well, let's hop right into it. There's always cybersecurity news, and the news du jour, if that's what you want to call it, is earlier this week, the Biden administration signed a Quantum Computing Cybersecurity Act into law. In particular, the law requires the OMB to prioritize federal agencies to understand and, and get prepared for quantum cryptography. And it also basically talks about how the White House is going to create guidance to get these agencies all in line. And they're, they're, of course, they're going to use NIST to be able to do that, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Um, Ken, talk to me a little bit about why this is interesting and why this is newsworthy and important.
2: So from a cybersecurity perspective, quantum computing really creates a lot of challenges in that a lot of the, the encryption standards that we use today are going to be very quickly broken due to the speed at which quantum computing can process that information. Obviously, then we need to come up with new encryption algorithms that are resistant to quantum computing breaking the encryption through basically just attempts to crack it through brute force. And this is really a a positive sign to me as far as hey, we're, we're actually looking towards the future. We're actually looking at this now before the quantum computing starts becoming mainstream instead of waiting until after the fact. So for for once, we're actually ahead of the game.
1: Yeah, heaven forbid that we be proactive with security, right? I, I mean, it's one of those things where I've been doing research on, on quantum for quite some time. Uh, I, I've always found it to be interesting. And, and you know, this year, um, several of the potential candidate algorithms were accepted and and being evaluated. I think three of them are owned by IBM. Another one is owned by an outside entity. I think there was 24 different candidates when it was all said and done. But a point being, just like the the old AES competition and, and triple DES and so on and so forth, these are standards that evolve over time. I don't think that anybody is under any illusion that the first standard that is accepted or Acknowledge is going to be the final standard. In fact, exactly the opposite of that. I expect that it'll be, you know, depreciated within, you know, a matter of months, if not years, when it's all said and done. But I think that you're right on when you're talking about getting ready. The real question is: is is this something that the average mom and pop shop should be getting ready for, or is this something the government should be getting ready for? Or talk to me about what the realistic expectations should be for for companies to wanting to get ready for quantum, and what does that really mean to them?
2: Let's look at, at, you know, quantum computing in its current state. Right now, it's it's still very experimental. When actual quantum computers start coming out, they're going to be extremely expensive. And we're talking, you know, think about very early days of computing, where only the, the most prestigious universities and the government and the some of the largest businesses could afford computers. I I actually look at this as kind of a reset of the computing industry because now we're we're starting over with a completely new technology for computing that's going to really revolutionize the whole industry. So do mom and pop shops need to worry about quantum computing right now? Probably not. Will they eventually? Sure. But that's going to be a lot further down the line than when we're going to have to worry about it from a government perspective or a large enterprise perspective. Uh, Especially with the advances in cloud computing and shift towards cloud computing, mom and pop shops are a lot more reliant on the cloud now. So I think that what's going to end up happening is a lot of these larger cloud providers uh, are going to adopt the quantum computing for their cloud computing. And then the mom and pop shops don't have to worry as much about it because most of that computing could going to be in the cloud anyways.
1: Yeah, I, I hear you there too. I I know that there's a number of big financial services institutions that are looking into quantum. I know that there's a lot of state actors, uh, different countries that are looking into quantum, not only for the speed reasons, but you know, in theory, once you have some level of quantum computing, and this is all theoretical, really, then you can start taking and breaking existing algorithms with relative ease. So we'll see how much of that really ends up playing out when it's all said and done. But I I agree with your assessment there. I think that it really is just a a matter of time before some of the bigger companies are really taking investing into it. But the small and medium-sized companies, I think it's fine to take a wait and see follow best security hygiene, best practices and implement when people have a better understanding of what it makes sense to implement. But to that end, you know, one of the other things that comes with this is trying to understand the build, trying to understand how email and current security efforts are being compromised and how that really takes and impacts the small and medium sized business. And I, and I think that we can all agree that, that, Business email compromise is a huge problem. Ransomware is a huge problem. Talk a little bit about how, you know, some of the current events that are going on in that regard and what companies need to take and do in regards to securing themselves today. If they don't need to be worried about quantum today, what should they be worrying about? And and I know that ransomware and email compromise, spear phishing, those are things that are all way up there on that list.
2: Yeah, So so... You know, and like I said, we're, we're seeing a big shift towards cloud where everything is hosted in the cloud. Your data is hosted in the cloud. Your email is hosted in the cloud. Uh, your applications are hosted in the cloud. So because of that, you still have the ransomware threat. You still have the threat of actors emailing you malicious links, malicious files. But really, what we're actually going to start seeing a lot more, I think, is going to be problems like uh, what uh, the USDA and FBI just announced uh, here a few days ago. And that's uh, business email compromises. And that's either compromising legitimate email servers or spoofed emails in order to trick organizations into giving you either goods or money. You know, recently, FBI and USDA released a, a joint cybersecurity advisory that attackers are now using business email compromise to fraudulently obtain food shipments. Now, we're not talking like a box of Amazon food. We're talking like entire tractor trailers filled with food that get delivered to an address, and then they realize, oh, that wasn't the, the right address. Somebody spoofed the email, and now we are out several hundred thousand dollars worth of food because somebody took it and now it's on the black market and they're reselling it.
0: The EMA DevOps Digest podcast will be back in 20 seconds. If you are a vendor in the DevOps space, sponsoring an EMA DevOps Digest podcast is a great way to connect your brand to the hot topics that matter most to your customers. If you would like to learn more about sponsoring the podcast, email pete at apmdigest.com. And now back to episode one of the EMA DevOps Digest podcast.
2: I think that as time progresses, we're going to see even more focus from the malicious actors on email. And it's going to be really interesting to, to see how, how that's going to fit into tomorrow's attacks. Because as we start seeing the local computers go away... And become you know basically thin clients, and everybody relying on their their phones and tablets. Ransomware is going to eventually become less profitable, so they've got to find an alternate source to make that money for those for these organized cyber criminals.
1: Yeah, I, again, I completely agree with you. I, I mean, if you're in the industry at all, you anecdotally hear of you know the various attacks. There, there's uh, I'm in the Colorado area. For those that don't know. I've heard plenty of anecdotes about government agencies that, that have been attacked. I've hear, you know, all these different things. And I know that there is a false belief that if you are a small to medium sized company, that this is not something you need to worry about. They're concentrating on the big guys where really the opposite is true. The yeah. the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that the the low hanging fruit is in the small to medium sized companies. And so that's where, a lot of those efforts are actually being placed and so that's why it's really important to understand that best you know cybersecurity hygiene what you can do to deal with some of these compromises how you can protect yourself how you can protect your organization heck we even here we've gotten even at ema we've gotten spoofed before about people you know, insinuating that they're the president of the company or what have you. And everybody here is luckily tech savvy enough and security savvy enough that kind of laugh it off and it's no big deal. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, they're taking a swing, right? They want to, you know, see if somebody will go buy gift cards and send them to Rwanda or wherever they're going to send them to. And we don't, but that doesn't mean that other companies aren't doing that. So again, it's something that really does hit every size business that there is out there. And people just have to be more aware of it. And people have to be able to understand what that compromise means to them and then how to protect themselves from it. So,
2: And, and um, it costs I, almost nothing to send a phishing email.
1: Well, yeah. And even if they get, so again, let's just take the, the small to medium-sized business. They're, the reason that they're attacking small to medium-sized businesses, even if they take and send out, you know, a 100,000 emails and only get five responses, and out of those five responses, they only get a $1,000 a piece, Well, that's still a great day's work for doing and spending nothing, you know? And so they're using bots and automation and and so on and so forth to be able to execute these attacks with very, very low or no cost to them at all. Because they've compromised some Kubernetes container or, or whatever have you. And, you know, have this bot army that's releasing email after email at no cost to them. And so... Uh, Again, I guess, you know, one of the other interesting topics of conversation is, is how how does AI and bots really take and affect what's going on out there, but also how can they be used to, you know, aid in the detection and aid in the defense of the small and medium sized company or, or any size company for that matter in, in protecting themselves.
2: Yeah, well, you know, so so from an attacker's perspective, I've actually seen instances where, and and these bots are probably still in their infancy, but I've I've seen it happen, where attackers will actually have some sort of bots that go out to the news and scrape the news for topics and actually assemble an entire email based upon current news topics, and put that in the email to bypass the spam filters because then the the spam filters think it's a legitimate email talking about current events.
1: Well, and then you we we know, I mean again anecdotally but also real world that you know, if you are a cybersecurity professional, we have all gotten the phone call after an event that the CIO, CEO, board of directors saw on the nine o'clock news. And the first question that your CEO has is, How are we protecting from this? And yeah. so if they're opening up an email that basically says, Here's how you address this problem, all of a sudden, well, now, now, all of a sudden, the bots have won, right? So, it, I mean, right. that's a legitimate problem, right? I mean, that's a legitimate problem and a legitimate concern of a real-world methodology that people are using for attack.
2: You know, and, and as far as defending against it, you know, artificial intelligence, I think, is going to become a lot more prevalent in being able to detect these emails. Right now, there's actually uh, several different AI projects out there that are designed to, one, generate computer-generated text that looks like a human wrote it, and then they write a second program that's designed to detect if a computer wrote text. So that kind of artificial intelligence is then going to become extremely prevalent, I think, in detecting these bot campaigns. Now, with that said, that's just the bot campaigns. You've still got to worry about the emails that have been composed by a human that are still malicious emails. Sometimes those emails don't even have payloads on them. It's, you know, like you said, oh hey, I'm the CEO of the company. I need you to to send me gift cards. Well, I'm not going to say in the email I want you to send me gift cards. I'm going to tell you I need you to call me at this number. I need you to text me at this number. And now you're actually leaving the email Part And you're actually having to worry about your security applying to the mobile phone texts and the mobile phone calls. And it's, it just becomes such a tangled web that we're not going to be able to rely on a single solution in order to stop it all.
1: Well, yeah, so then let's let's talk, you know, one last topic is I, I wanted to address a little bit about something you just brought up, which was, you know, the, the human element and, and security awareness in general. There's only so much that a bot can do. There's only so much that your frontline workers can do, security workers can do to protect everybody's everything. But at the end of the day, the human element is always going to be where the biggest advantage to the bad guys and the biggest advantage to the entity always is, a, a, a staff, a team that is cyber aware and you know appreciates the value of cybersecurity and understands the importance of cybersecurity is way more valuable than any possible solution is going to be when it's all said and done. So talk to me a little bit about what you see as the future of cybersecurity awareness training. And I know we all go through it. We've all seen the regulations that require it. I don't really have any particular problem with that, but talk to me a little bit about how that takes and factors into what you're seeing with bots and what you're seeing with email security and so on and so forth.
2: So, I mean, ideally the the human element is, is always going to be your first and last line of defense. It's your first line of defense because the human element needs to figure out what to set up as far as what defenses to set up. But then at the end of the day, ransomware is a perfect example. We recently did a research survey on ransomware. We found that about 70% of ransomware incidents started with a malicious email, either an email yeah. with a malicious link or a malicious attachment. You need to be able to train the people to not click on that link, to not open up that attachment, because that is what compromises your network 70% of the time. So, really, we need to train people to be smarter. And now, of course, you can say that we can do the whole yearly security awareness training, but let's be honest, most of that training is just... I'm going to keep clicking next until I get my certificate so that I'm done my training. And we need to abandon that approach. We need to start coming up with more comprehensive approaches and we need to start having a method of analyzing, find out if people are actually understanding their training. You know, one of the organizations I used to work with, they actually would send out fake phishing email campaigns in order to determine which users were their weakest link. And then when the users would click on the email in their uh, phishing campaign, then they have got a a gentle uh, reminder that, hey, this was actually supposed to be a malicious email. Luckily, it was just a simulation. Here's some training that uh, you should take so that you can uh, be more aware in case this happens again in the future and it's a real attack. So I think that more than just a yearly training, I think that we need to have a lot more continuous integration of training into daily activities in order to address this threat.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And again, I've never been wild about the idea of a point in time training. It should be continuous. You know, we'll we'll come full circle and talk a little bit about current events a little bit. When there is a current event out there, it's, it's the perfect opportunity as a security professional to get out in front of your employees, your team, and basically say, hey, Here's this. And as a reminder, this is why clicking on these kind of links is bad and so on and so forth. Just keep that in mind. It doesn't have to be heavy handed. one that I always right. really appreciated was like Star Wars Day and how, you know, the empire, you know, the failures in information security led to the downfall of the empire and just a little bit more security awareness training. And maybe they wouldn't have been quite so stupid. Right. And the rebels were able to win basically because the the empire didn't understand basic security awareness and basic security practices. so. But I always, I always take and share that ideas and, and those concepts that Star Wars Day on May the 4th, very simply because it's all over the news. People are talking about it. And it's just a cool tie-in. And doing those kind of tie-ins makes a lot of sense. Uh, any last words before we wrap up today, Ken?
2: The biggest thing that I, I think we really need to take home on this is we need a lot more focus in the industry on the human element. Because at the end of the day, tools still have flaws. And we still need to rely on that human element in order to compensate.
1: Yeah, and, and we're not done talking about this by any means. I, I know that we're going to do some more research on it this year. I, I'm certain that we'll probably take and have you know further podcasts in the future talking you know more in depth about the subject. So uh, stay tuned there. But uh, apart from that, I appreciate everybody's time today, Ken. Thanks for joining me, and we will pick up potentially at sometime in the new year. And uh, again, thank you for joining the CMA podcast. Have a great day.